biggest games. The biggest events. Wow, the crowd is on their feet. The biggest stories. This is what you signed up for, Seth. I thought it was you asked to in the game. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. Welcome to the ESPN Esports Podcast. My name is Jacob Wolf, and today we have Raul Sood from Unicorn on the show. Over the last couple of days, we have had Sam Matthews from Fnatic and Nate Nancer from the Overwatch League as we broadcast live from South by Southwest at their gaming and esports convention live at the Longhorn Network. If you haven't checked out the previous episodes, I would very much encourage you to do so. Today we are talking with Raul about sports gambling and how it is likely to be legalized in the U.S., how it will affect esports, how it will affect his company, Unicorn, which is one of the few legal gaming platforms in all of esports, and really just a very insightful conversation on technology and esports as a whole. But before we get into it, a word from our sponsors. Gamers like to customize everything, from their gaming rig all the way down to the way their characters look. And now Schick has developed a way for them to customize their shave, too. Introducing new Schick Hydro 5 Sense razors and refills. Equipped with innovative shock-absorb technology, the razor auto-adjusts based on how you shave, backing off or adding pressure when needed. Three custom gel formula refill cartridges enable you to further personalize your shave. Available in hydrate gel with coconut oil to hydrate throughout each shave. Comfort gel with herbal extracts to comfort skin. And energized gel with menthol to wake up tired looking skin. Customize your shave with new Schick Hydro 5 Cents. Available now at Walmart for an everyday low price. For more savings, visit Schick.com. So I'm here with Raul Sood of Unicorn. Is your official title CEO? Is that? Yeah, yeah so can you kind of give... I feel like you're known to a lot of the industry people, but not known to a lot of the other people. I think Unicorn is known as a company. Can you kind of give like the the uh, 411 of like who is Raul Sood? How did you get to this point of Unicorn? Sure. Um, well, I uh, I've been in the gaming space for for longer than uh, most people, I guess you could say. Um, I actually started uh, the world's first PC gaming hardware manufacturer. It was called Voodoo PC, and we used to build. PC specifically to play video games on and they were um, you know over the years it became kind of like synonymous with the desktop Ferrari they were the best of the best in their time and um, long story short is I, I got involved in competitive gaming the brand became pretty big and we ended up selling it to HP um, so you know the HP Omen and HP Envy were creations of Voodoo's uh, oh, originally. Cool. That, that new curved monitor that you see from HP was actually designed by my team in 2007, and it took them 11 years or whatever to launch. So it kind of goes to show why I left. It was, it was a long grind. Um, and then after that, I joined Microsoft, and I started Microsoft Ventures, uh, where we would help startups around the world build and grow. We opened up seven accelerators around the world, and I was in charge of the whole global uh, Microsoft Ventures team. It was a lot of fun, but, you know, I'm a big-time gamer, and I guess you could say my entrepreneurial genes kept, you know, hitting me up. And my son, who at the time was 15 years old, kept bugging me to get back into gaming, and he was telling me about, you know, how esports is growing, and he he... You know, he he basically kind of uh, prodded me and and uh, and got me to learn about the space by um, getting me to play League of Legends with him and just seeing exactly how big it was. Um, I embedded myself in my kid's world, and um, and you know, one of the companies that we invested in at Microsoft uh, was a, a game community company based out of Australia, 
And the CEO of that company uh, became a really good friend of mine. And, you know, I was telling him about, you know, some of the stuff with uh, with eSports. And prior to joining Microsoft, I actually started a company called Play All with a friend of mine from Germany, who's now our CTO, by the way. And it was a company that allowed, um, you know, our, our users to play Call of Duty against each other for money, just for fun. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but we, you know, we, we didn't want to deal with the whole uh, regulatory and compliance side of things. We just weren't sure what it meant. Uh, we weren't ready for it. I mean, it was, a, it was a long time ago that we started this thing, but we built all the technology for it. We built the back-end technology, anti-cheat technology, the payment technology, the front-end client everything and um, you know at its peak we had something like 8,000 users using this platform but we decided to shelve it uh, before I joined Microsoft because of the whole regulatory side and just deciding you know what how how do we how do we deal with that sort of stuff and so the long story short is um, when I was at Microsoft and I started to learn about esports for my son uh, uh, you know at least where how how big it had gotten from the competitive gaming side when I was in it uh, and speaking to Carl, I decided to leave Microsoft. Um, I joined up with Carl, who who became my co-founder. We acquired Playall, the company that I started years ago with my CTO, and uh, we created Unicorn. And um, you know, Unicorn is essentially a company that uh, we it's a global esports company that um, sits at the intersection of sports, video games, and legal wagering. Um, we're we're built on the most cutting edge blockchain and uh, and uh, gaming technologies on earth. Um, and we do everything from create content. You know, we, we create written and video content on esports. We um, we have our own tournament series. We run online tournaments and actually on-premise tournaments inside of casinos like the MGM Grand. Um, we we have the most comprehensive sports book for esports on earth. We create the best odds uh, on all the major esport tournaments. We can even do odds on your chances of winning a particular game as an individual. Um, we have a platform where gamers can connect their accounts to our platform and earn tokens. Um, it's a pretty, pretty interesting company. I mean, we even have team ownership. We're actually part owners in uh, one of the hottest CSGO teams in the world, big. big. They're, they're a huge, uh, huge in Germany. They're the most popular esports team in Germany. Um, you know, and uh, esports in Germany is huge because I think one in every five people in Germany watch esports. So these guys are loved. So we're a really neat company. Um, you know, when we started Unicorn, we really set out to be a community-first company and become part of the community, which is why we do things like content and tournaments and team ownership and connecting gamers to our platform and that sort of thing. It's not all about wagering, but wagering is uh, a good underpinning of our business. So you mentioned when you were starting your previous company and doing uh, wagering and Call of Duty that you didn't want to deal with all the regulatory side of things. At what point did you say, okay, I'm ready to take that challenge, learn about regulations, learn about how we do all this legally and do it the right way? When did you take that step and then obviously apply that to Unicorn? Well, so I, I think it, it really just uh, came about when um, I started to see the the size of the esports market and how big it was growing. You know, hundreds of millions of people were watching this, and you know, I was into it, and I, I was really getting into League of Legends, and I like competitive league. I, I used to play Counter Strike, you know, one point six. Um, I played Counter Strike for a very long time, and I I, I wasn't very good at it uh, because it's one of those games where you know you have to be super fast, and my twitch speed was getting slower. Um, but, uh, but you know, when I saw the sort of the size of, of, of the market and how big it was getting, uh, the the opportunity just sort of exposed itself. The opportunity exposed itself in a couple of different ways. First, when I was at Microsoft, um, we used to look at industry trends. And one of the biggest trends we noticed was in Las Vegas, um, the 
the the amount of people going to Vegas now it was growing uh, year over year. It's been the highest it's ever been. So last year, the 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 largest number of people went through Las Vegas than ever in the history of Las Vegas, and the year before that as well. And it constantly goes up. And the the big thing is that the betting business is is going down in Vegas, uh, at least on the casino side, like the the the, the slot machines. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've tried everything. They've tried to retheme the slot machines. They've tried to bring in new technology, you know, retheme it with Britney Spears and Pitbull and that sort of thing. But when you walk the slot machine floor, you'll see there's probably more walkers and wheelchairs per square foot than anywhere in Las Vegas, right? I mean, there's a lot of old people using these machines, you know. And um, and then so 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 we notice, you know, that in the gambling industry, that the things are changing, right? And then and then secondly, in um, in traditional sports, things are changing. You know this, right? The the uh, the median age of a major league baseball player or major league baseball fan is. 55, high 50s, yeah. yeah, high 50s, like 55, 56 years old. Uh, the median age of a, um, of a, of a PGA Tour fan is like 70, you know? And, uh, and, and we know that this audience of, of esports is just, like, it, it's crazy because there's, our customer base is 18 to 34, but there's a massive bubble of, of kids that are, you know, between the ages of say 8 and 18 that are going to grow up, you know, who, this is like a part of their life, right? So, um, so it just made sense. I mean, it, it, it made sense to get into the space. And also, you know, the idea that if you don't have regulation in a space like this, you have the Wild West. That whole skin betting thing that happened was horrible. Yeah. It was the underpinning. Most people don't know this, but skin betting was the underpinning of the largest underage gambling ring in the history of gambling. It was huge. And and I hated it. I hated it because I have kids. And, you know, and I, and I felt like we needed to speak out about it. And we needed Unicorn to be kind of a... I don't like to use the word white knight, but you know, like kind of like a, a shining star of what 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 should be, and we really believe in this space. We really believe that regulation has to happen, but we also believe that this audience is getting older, um, and as it gets older, you know, people like myself, who I'm an anomaly because I'm in my 40s and I play probably two three games of league a day, um, but and I watch streamers. I mean, I was up the other night watching Ninja with Drake playing for hours. I don't know. I mean, I'm into this, right? But I'm an anomaly. However, I think I think in five years, you know, people in my age will be. It'll just be regular. This is what they do, and and I like to place bets on games. I like watching Seahawks, and you know, I'll place a bet on a football game, or I'll place a bet on you know on on a league game if I see something that I you know like a team that I really like and I follow. You know, I like to do it because to me it, it heightens the experience of watching or participating in the game itself. So. So it just has to happen, I think. So when you all were on, I guess the come up as a startup, right? Like the couple of years ago when Unicorn first started and, and you started like put yourself out there in public relations and everything like that, there was the skin gambling part of it, right? And, yep. and let's be clear, everything you were doing is legal and regulated. And I have said previously on previous podcasts, I'm fine with that. As long as it's legal and regulated, great. Gamble all you want. That's your own decision, right? Um, but there, there was an inherent stigma, I would say, about esports gambling because of what was happening with skin sites and everything. How hard was it to combat that, like, when you're trying to encourage legal gambling, but you're, there is already this stigma of, so, illegal gambling. So we took a different approach to this. We, you know, when I, when, when I think about Unicorn and how it's become, uh, this, this, really kind of a big global brand now when you think about esports people you know they they hear about unicorn it's great it's i'm glad that's that's happened but the reason that happened was because we took the approach that look we're not going to go out and 
pimp gambling and do this sort of stuff, right? We're going to come out and we're going to be, uh, you know, a community first company and we're going to build our brand around the community. We're going to create a fan base. Um, you know, and, and we're going to build our brand in a way that, that very few companies in this space have ever done. I don't think anybody's ever done this, but essentially we'll start by, you know, building, uh, you know, a platform for the community. Uh, you know, we'll build content. We'll, we'll build a platform where they connect their accounts. They can earn rewards, you know, that sort of thing. They can earn prizes. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, we're, we're going to create really, really great products where, that they'll love and we'll continue to tweak those products and get feedback from the community, uh, to continue to tweak the products. And then we're going to create a culture, uh, you know, on our team of people that love, live, eat, breathe, sleep, esports and, and video games. And, um, and, uh, and, you know, the combination of all these three will be the underpinning of the unicorn brand. The unicorn will become a living, breathing entity in itself. And, and that was sort of the thinking that we had. We said, like, let's not just go out and try and build a, a gambling and get everyone betting on stuff. That wasn't the idea. The idea was we do community first and ultimately, you know, we know that, that people will embrace us. We know that, uh, people will look at this, this skin betting thing. I think this is horrible to see 13 year old kids getting suckered in to go, you know, dump their skins on some dice game run by some streamer and they're getting ripped off right it's 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 bad and so we did that and while doing that while building this this sort of community first approach we spoke with regulators we said hey guys you need to pay attention to this you know i used to travel i travel to vegas i travel all over the world and i talk to regulators and say like these guys are ripping people off right they should go to jail and uh and this space needs regulation because if we don't come in and start doing this now other people will come in like these guys and and wreck the place for everybody else so that was that was how we had to do it, and I think we did the right thing. How did some of those conversations <clears throat> with regulators go? I mean, I, a lot of the people I know that use Unicorn for as a wagering platform uh, are from other countries. So obviously, right. it's, I would say until this uh, eventual Supreme Court ruling, which I think we all expect to be approved at this point, um, it's much easier to wager in other countries than it is in the U.S. What has it been like talking particularly to a lot of these international uh, regulating boards and, and talking to them about what you want to do and talking to them about esports? Well, first, you know, it, it, it's nice that they actually like us, that they that they like what we're building. Um, you know, we, we built... Uh, we, we even, you know, we're on like the cutting edge of, of the blockchain industry and the esports industry, right? And we, we started to look at this space and say, what do regulators care about? You know, they, they, they care about responsible gambling. They want to make sure that customers have a full transaction history of all their transactions and they're able to see what they're betting and what they're winning or losing. Um, and, and, uh, you know, as we started to kind of build this on blockchain, we started to build uh, you know, this, this token economy, we built a unicorn a few years ago, uh, or a little over two years ago, and it's, it's like a token that people can use and they can earn, and it's a free token, non-transferable, um, and, uh, and the idea was that we wanted people in Korea and the United States to be able to use our platform without actually betting, uh, real currency, because they can't bet real currency in the, in the US or, or, or Korea. But they can bet, you know, these free tokens that they earn by playing video games and game up and it's sort of a gamified experience. So, so we did all that and, you know, at the same time we're having these conversations with regulators. I think the regulators liked what we were doing because they saw the esports as the next kind of green space or the next blue ocean for uh for for betting operators because you know in australia for example they bet on everything they bet on horses dogs 
Um, you know, they bet on uh, every single sport. They bet on politics. Um, you know, they, they bet on, like, when the next celebrity might pass. Like, it's crazy what they bet on there. And there was nothing else for them to bet on. And, you know, eSports is like this, this, this really neat space where you can create multiple betting markets and multiple really, really uh, great ways to use data and, and monetize data in a way that game publishers weren't even looking at. So regulators like what we were doing. Um, they were a little concerned about, you know, younger audience. You know, what does that mean? And, you know, our, our answer was really simple. You know, your, your kids play video games? Yes. Your kids play baseball? Yes. Your kids bet on baseball? No. You know, so it's sort of like that, right? I mean, if you, if you're a properly regulated environment, kids shouldn't be betting in the first place. They shouldn't be allowed to. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, that's, that's just, it is what it is. You have to, you know, you have to set it up in a way where they can't participate. And then, um, and then, you know, on, on top of that, when, 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 when we think about, you know, unicorn and, you know, the direction that we're going, it's not just about wagering, right? It's, uh, there's other applications that we're building for customers in places like Korea where they can earn tokens and they can participate in jackpots for prizes and things like that. They can trade in their skins if they want to for tokens, like, you know, from, from games and that sort of thing. So, so, um, yeah, so I don't know. Does that kind of give you? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, I, and I think the biggest challenge, so, you know, dealing with regulators was easy. Dealing with publishers is a little bit different. Ah, yeah. <clears throat> because, you know, pu- publishers' immediate reaction was, and it depends on the publisher, but, you know, some publishers, for example, Riot, um, you know, doesn't want anything to do with gambling, and, and we get it. We understand why. You know, they have a very young customer base, and we understand, you know, they're, they're thinking, uh, Valve is a little bit ambivalent to it. You know, they 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 weren't sure how to look at it. Because they're in your backyard too, yeah, exactly. right? Like, so yeah. So they're a little bit ambivalent. Microsoft, on the other hand, is actually uh, kind of pro it. They they like it. They think it's a neat neat idea, neat concept because you know their customers are older and they have opportunities. They think this might be a great way to monetize you know some of the platform. So it really depended on who we spoke with. At the beginning, it was hard, but now it's a lot easier because they all see that we're legit, that we're not trying to, you know, to create something that, you know, nefarious or do something wrong. Like we're we're doing it right, and I think they appreciate that. So, from the technology part of it, is uh, really interesting to me, right? Is so many of the illegal gambling sites in, in esports and wagering sites in esports have like they'll have the terms of service. You must be 16 or 18 years or older, and like they never ID check you, right. and they never they may, never make you like actually put into everything to wager. You just they just assume. So you you know we did a profile story about a year and a half ago on a kid that was 13 years old and lost like eight eight thousand dollars of his parents' money on, mm-hmm. on Counter Strike wagering. Yep, um, with those skins, which is all legal anyway. Uh, your system, though, is like very thorough. You yep. can't just VPN your way into Unicorn. Right. You like actually have to go through the full process. Yeah, I mean, you, Can yep. you kind of explain how the technology works <laughs> to keep people from actually committing illegal acts? Yeah, yeah. Look, the, the technology, you know, is we have a, the most robust betting backend on Earth. We we designed it to first of all to to find cheaters. Um, there's no better way to spot a cheater in a video game or somebody who throws a game, basketball game, video game, doesn't matter, uh, than through betting. Because because if you have a 15 to 1 underdog that all of a sudden is getting major betting action, uh, you need to take action. So the way we take action is we, we stop all bets. We then notify the tournament operator that, hey, there's something weird going on here. We notice these bets. This is what's happening. You're 15 to 1 underdog. You know, you need to do an investigation. They'll notify the team. The team has to do an investigation. All of this stuff happens with the whole idea of competitive integrity. That was sort of the first part. Um, but the, uh, the, the, that was sort of how we started to build it. The, 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 the technology, when you talk about these, you know, these sites that, that allow people to go in just by ticking a box saying I'm 18, um, <laughs> 
it's total bullshit. I mean, look, you, you, you can they can pretend all they want that they're being legal by doing that, but these guys, they're not. They're breaking the law. And um, the way it works with us is there's multiple levels of KYC. We first need to know who the customer is. And and by the way, now that we have this unicorn gold crypto, uh, they we have to be able to tie their wallet, their their, their public wallet to their to their unicorn profile. And we have to know where the money is coming from. We have to make sure that they're not laundering money. You know, that's another thing. Secondly, they need to be in a country where it's, they're legally allowed to bet, and they have to be an individual that's legally allowed to do so. And we verify their ID, you know, physically. So, um, so there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through to be able to actually place a bet. Um, and, and it should be like that. It has to be like that because you know, online, you know, online betting um, is it's, it's a very big market. And, uh, and, you know, if, if you, if you do it properly and responsibly, I think, I think there's, um, there's a lot of great opportunity in the space. Um, and being that we're in, in the U.S., at least I'm in the U.S. and we have an office in Las Vegas, um, we, we kind of anticipated that the U.S. would eventually open up sports betting. Um, because, it's kind of dumb not to. Yeah, there's a huge amount of money being given to you know these black operators, uh, European operators that are that are effectively just coming into the U.S. with these weak IP blocking systems, and you know anybody can sort of use a use a proxy server to go in and place bets and stuff, and that's bad. You know they're they're stealing money from the U.S. economy. Uh, it's not regulated, um, and you know Americans every day are going to sites that aren't very well regulated. They're their, their margins are way too high. Their keys are, you know, all over the place, and um, they don't care, right? They, you know, so 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 we sort of anticipated the U.S. would, would legalize it at some point, and um, and here we are. We're, we're getting close. So I am interested. You you live in Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, I would assume that is a byproduct of having worked at Microsoft at one point. Uh, the Washington Gaming Control Board actually went after Valve, and they are probably one of the most vocal of all the states, I think, in terms of like being. I wouldn't say completely anti anti gambling, but certainly very strict. Uh, and you know, as they were the people that kind of prompted Valve to send those cease and desist, I think, in terms of timeline. What has it been like talking to those people about what you're trying to do they, and interacting with some of them? Oh no, listen, they're they're the greatest group of people that that I've worked with in in regulation. They're they're very smart. They're very responsible when it comes to this stuff. Very uh, conservative, however, you know, like I, I'd like to see them loosen up a little bit on some of the thinking, you know, when it comes, especially when it comes to the online space. I don't think it's going to happen, but but uh, you know, they they understand what we're building and what we're doing, and and um, you know, we we respect the law, and and but we do work with them to kind of educate them on the space and um, and kind of give them a a land like a landscape of what's happening out there, and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, all regulators are generally good people you know regulators aren't there to make our life hard they're there to protect consumers and and you know the the second you see that and you understand that and you empathize with that think of the consumers as young people right who are who are just getting into this space um that's their job to protect those people and you know it's our job to make sure that we're building systems that that uh that they're satisfied with and and also giving them feedback on how those systems should be built so last thing before we go to a short break um You've been your company is built on a lot of blockchain, and it's something that we've seen this 
big interest in, I, I would say, in the last six months, right? Like cryptocurrency and blockchain is really kind of on the upswing. It's it's something that is just marveling to me as someone that follows technology. Uh, what has it been like seeing all this experience and, and so much people with interest in technology you've been using for quite some time now, even if it's not for the same purposes as just cryptocurrency being out on market like that? What is it like? What like seeing the high interest in the last like six oh, six to eight months? Well, well, I mean the the huge. interest is interesting. <laughs> uh, you know what, what what's happening is it's sort of like it's sort of like you can think about it as skin betting when skin betting first came out, where it was sort of the wild west. There was more ICOs last year than there'll ever be. Um, yep. uh, you know, there's people are trying now, but they're not going to be able to raise the type of money they were able to last year or sell as many tokens as they did last year in an ICO. However, that's good. Um, because uh, 99% of the ICOs that have come out, the tokens that have come out, are complete crap. Essentially, they have they have tokens and not a working product. Um, many of them are five people with a white paper and nothing more. Um, you know, many of them haven't really thought about their customer. This is key. Let me explain what I mean. Customers have to use your token for there to be any kind of you know justification for even having a token economy we created the unicorn over two years ago and we created a token economy just on the back of you know gamers attaching their games to our platform jackpots and raffles you know uh there's betting opportunities with it there's um uh, ways to trade in virtual items for coins and it's kind of a gamification type thing for our customers um but you know crypto is hard I don't know if you've played with it before, if you've tried to buy Bitcoin or Ethereum or tried to buy token or wallets managing, you know, your wallet addresses and security and things like that. <clears throat> it's not easy. It's actually very difficult. And, um, and, and so you can imagine that, uh, the customer base really needs to be tech savvy. So the interesting thing about the esports space and the crypto space is it's like the intersection of the two hottest industries out right now that Unicorn is sitting on at the moment. And we polled our customers before we went and turned Unicoin into Unicoin Silver and Unicoin Gold. Unicoin Silver is a free token. Unicoin Gold is a cryptocurrency. And we just said, we just asked them some general questions about, you know, have you ever traded crypto? You ever bought Bitcoin? You know what Ethereum is? Just really general questions. And we were really surprised to learn that over 70% of our customers were either familiar with it or had wallets or, you know, have already been buying and, and were interested in it. You know, so for us, we're fortunate. But... I have spoken to maybe 200 or plus ICOs over the last few months who've come to us and want help. Um, and, you know, we've turned them all down, basically, because there's nothing really interesting. There might be a couple out there that are interesting that I'll look at. But um, but essentially, they, they want help, uh, you know, in, in building their platforms. And and one of them, you know, came to me a, a few weeks ago, and it was a retirement community. They, huh. they, they wanted to come up with a token for the retirement community. And I'm like... Do you have any idea what you're talking about? You know, like they, they want to create a token where, where, where the people in the retirement community can use it as a means of currency and transfer between each other. Like, have you ever tried using this stuff before? I've and, heard some really weird stories. Like somebody, <coughs> somebody that pitched to buy the Houston Rockets, uh, after Leslie Alexander yeah. was trying to sell, they pitched them on raising through Rocket Coin. Right. We're going to try I mean, to buy the Rockets and Rocket Coin. Yeah. I mean, please. <laughs> like, you know, like if you don't, if, if you don't really understand uh, your customer base, and your customer doesn't understand how to use it. You don't have a coin, and 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 so 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 my point is that you know uh, I'm excited about the space, but as I said, you know 99% of these coins are going to fail, and that's a good thing. Um, and I think what you're going to see now is regulation coming in, and uh, and uh, you know with regulation means more mainstream adoption eventually. And I really do believe in the future of crypto and blockchain. 
So. Yeah, I think I think for me, really, like I love the technology. Uh, I don't actively trade like Bitcoin or any yeah. of the other cryptocurrencies, but I think the technology behind a blockchain and, and the tracking of transactions and not being able to force that in any type of way and how secure it is, I think that's brilliant. Like, yeah. e- even if that applies like to one form to even like cash currency, like that, if there's a way to do that and the way to track track those types of transfers on like a larger scale, it's brilliant. Like yeah. I, I really love the technology as like a bystander. So, um, so we're gonna take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll have more with Raul's sued from Unicorn. If you like listening to the esports podcast, we always appreciate reviews on whatever social media platform is best for you. If you want to leave us a review on iTunes, give us a star rating. We very much appreciate it. We read them all the time. Or if you're listening into the ESPN ESPN app or ESPN website, we are now available on Spotify as well. So if you're a Spotify listener or Spotify subscriber, you can now find us there. Now back to our conversation with Raul Sood from Unicorn. Welcome back to the ESPN Esports Podcast. I'm here with Raul Sood of Unicorn. So it's kind of fitting, actually, I think, that your your company's name is Unicorn because the and one of your investors, one of your most publicized investors, is the unicorn of technology investment and someone that everyone in esports wants investment from, and that's Mark Cuban. And um, I have a quote somewhere on my phone from him from a previous interview about Unicorn, actually, where he... Uh, I asked, why didn't you buy an esports team, right? And obviously, there are plenty to look at buying up. And um, he said, with the esports, it was something like the esports teams don't make a lot of money, and um, you know they're all contributing to the house. I wanted to own the house, and that was his quote to me. And yeah. Uh, yeah. what has it been like working with Mark, who obviously is a very well publicized investor, a sports yeah. team owner? What has it been that process been like? Uh, Mark Cuban is a great investor. Um, he is he is better than. I'll say this. He's, he's better than our lead investor, uh, which is, which is really disappointing actually, uh, in our lead, inv- that, that our lead investor is, is not, uh, that good. And the reason I'm saying that and, um, I'm, I'm public about it is because our lead investor had a big scandal that went down, uh, with, um, you know, with, with one of their partners. And, and since then they've sort of been, uh, we haven't really spoken to them in a long time. Mark, however, talks to us all the time reaches out he's very vocal he's very uh he gives us suggestions and he's the reason that we got on blockchain and and nobody knew this but like the guy messaged us about two years ago now saying you know you really need to start looking at blockchain technology it's the future of commerce and it could really help your business and um and i i said okay but you know like he just sends like a one or two liner email doesn't really explain why he's not very yeah yeah so but i asked him you know i asked him why and he said look I, i just think that you know, from a transparency standpoint, there's something there. And we were, at the time, we were having an issue with banks. Our issue with banks was we needed to expand across Europe. We knew that our Malta license was imminent and we would have to expand across 80% of Europe. And dealing with multiple banks and multiple currencies was sort of a, a nightmare. So we put out a newsletter to our investors saying, hey, you know, this is a challenge. What do you think? And, and, and Mark came back and said, you guys got to get on blockchain. You know, it's going to disrupt banking. And so <clears throat> so we started looking at blockchain technology from the standpoint of being in a highly regulated business. And when it comes to trust and transparency, there's no better tech than blockchain, especially, you know, things like AML and KYC. You can track users much better and user activity much better than you can with fiat currency. Um, so, so Mark has been amazing to, to work with, uh, great investor, really, you know, at one point in time we were going to, uh, buy a team together. He was bullish about the NBA getting into esports, um, you know, before it even happened. Now they're in it. Now he's got a team. Um, <clears throat> so he's, uh, 
he's just a neat guy. I, you know, very smart. Um, you know, I remember the Bitcoin people, the Bitcoin community saying that Mark didn't like Bitcoin, but you know, he, uh, Unicoin Gold was his first actual crypto purchase. Um, and, uh, and you know, he was the reason that we got on the blockchain in the first place, uh, even before he, he, he thought Bitcoin was in a bubble. He was right. Bitcoin was in a bubble. Look what happened. You know, it, it, it kind of, it kind of blew up and it'll, it'll come back. But, but you know, it, it, everything that he says is, you know, timed, you could argue about the timing, but he's 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 a pretty neat guy to work with. Yeah, he tends to be pretty smart about a lot of these things. You know, yeah, I think, yeah. and I think it, you, there is this significant rise in tide that I've seen in esports. We, we have teams that sold in 2016 majority share, and like the amount that they sold for these 20 million or 10 million in some cases majority share sales. We have people who are like Echo Fox who are now raising like 32 million for a minority percentage. You know, like the what do you think of the rising tide of esports in terms of like evaluations and and all of this like just up up money money. Well, you know, I, I I do think it's it's a little bubbly, you know, in in a way. But at the same time, I I think of it as this is the future of sports and entertainment. Um, the the challenge with esports is it's so bifurcated, as you know. You know, teams uh, are like there's multiple teams, multiple games. You know, f- there's there's uh, there's you know PUBG and Fortnite now are coming in in some weird ways. We're not sure how. You know, people are acquiring streamers. Um, you've got CS:GO, which is a very popular game, but you know brands are having a hard time touching it because of the whole terrorist counter-terrorist type thing. Um, You've got, you know, League of Legends, which is very popular. I remember a few years ago, you could buy a team for like 800,000 or a million dollars, and now like there's just no chance you could ever do that. Um, so it's, uh, it's pretty amazing how far it's come. But uh, I, I would say that, uh, that, um, you know, relatively speaking, based on, like, I, I think in order to buy a successful franchise, uh, it has to be a franchise and it has to be a team that understands the fluidity of games and you know the popularity of games and what an esport actually is and um the teams that have you know 10 different teams uh, worries me but the ones that have focus on sort of the key titles um is really interesting and i think the future of esports becomes more <clears throat> national pride meaning in the past it was like there was fanatic and there was cloud 9 for example but now there's BIG, which is Berlin International Gaming. German team, German players, German pride, right? Um, and I think the NBA is actually doing the right thing. Um, you know, the Overwatch League is kind of doing the right thing, where they're, where they're, uh, they're, they're, they're coming up with cities and, you know, teams and cities and, you know, the teams identified by those cities and those locals and things like that. And I think that's where esports is gonna, is gonna go. It's, it may not be city based, but it'll probably be more country based. And, um, you know, and there will be sort of a national pride thing associated with it. Do you think when a younger generation grows up more with video games than they do sports, do you think that still applies? You know, cause I think that's very much a sports mentality. I'm a huge sports fan and I would be, a, I would be an esports fan if my region or my state had an esports team as well. But I, like, I don't think my brother, who's seven years younger, would be necessarily the same because he grew up with video games. He's not a yeah, huge sports for trans- franchise I, fan. I, I yeah. think I think in terms of broad, maybe broadly speaking, yes. I, I think broadly speaking, having some sort of national identity helps. City, maybe not, right? But but having some sort of national identity, I think, is really helpful. Um, you know, uh, because you're 
it's sort of like the UFC, you know, you're cheering for a particular country when, you know, when Conor McGregor goes out or whatever. You've got all these Irish people going crazy and, you know, that sort of thing. Or Scottish? No, Irish. Irish, Irish, Irish yep. yeah. Irish. Yeah. And, and you know, it's sort of like that. You know, with the Berlin International Game, you got all these Germans from all over the world who love the team, you know, and will we'll cheer for them. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and, you know, there's people from Brazil and people from all over the place. But, but I, I do think there's a bit of national, um, you know, a national identity that will be tied to esports franchises. I believe that. So a little bit of a hard pivot because it's something I did want to talk to you about. But, you know, these court dates are coming up soon for this uh, international or for this Supreme Court hearing about sports gambling and and figuring out when that's going to be legalized. What? How do you think that's going to affect esports if that does get legalized? What do you think the immediate effect is? Well, the immediate effect is you know uh, esports and sports are very similar in terms of you know the the environment and the betting environment. We've worked with regulators on this to sort of treat them the same. Uh, you know, we helped create the ESIC to, to make that happen, which is the Esports Integrity Coalition. Um, esports is legit. It's growing. It's, uh, players are getting paid more money. There, there's less kind of, uh, scandals in esports. You know, people like to focus on those, like, little scandals that happen, but happens in every sport. Um, uh, the bottom line is integrity comes with with wagering. Uh, it, you know, we we force integrity through the data that we collect, through all the betting action that comes in. Um, and when esports, when sports betting becomes legal, esports betting will be also legal. And Unicorn will be the first company in the U.S. Uh, to be able to supply the most you know comprehensive esports experience uh, to uh, you know to to uh, customers in the U.S. You know that's why we're here. Yeah. When it I would say when it gets legalized, I, I don't. I think most everyone who follows this case and has followed kind of the trajectory up to this thinks it will. Yeah. Um, and we start seeing these states legalize it on them themselves. How much harder does your job get when it comes to talking regulators state by state? Uh, I mean, it's a little hard, but you know, I, I think if you templatize it, I think I think New Jersey will be the first. You know, uh, we work with a local casino. We've already got a great partnership with MGM, who we love. Um, you know, they love us. And we would work with a local casino. MGM has properties there. You know, there's other companies that have properties there as well that are talking to us. But, um, but I think once it's templatized there, then we can we can sort of it, it's pretty easy to go state by state because the, the regulations aren't that much different. Um, although some of them are are you know saying that they want to charge ridiculous amounts of, of of tax and stuff like that, and I don't think they understand the space. And once they do understand, they'll see that it's just not sustainable. No one's going to go in those states if if that's how they're they're treating it. So. Yeah, you just recently moved uh, Walter, someone I know, down to Vegas, yeah. and I would assume that's partially because you'll want to work with some of the sports books down there and help write odds. Is that kind of like the intention? Or? Yeah. So, so actually, our Vegas team is is all about content creation. Uh, look, in Vegas, there's there's events every week, as you know. Uh, there's you know we're in the the, the crypto slash tech space slash gaming space, right? So every week, you know, there's probably like a really interesting event that's happening every month. There's an event that happens that's that's specific to our space. So we have a we have a little studio there in Las Vegas. Uh, we have a team that creates content. You know, we go out, we interview people, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, and at the same time, we run events. So, uh, you know, we run events at the MGM. We'll be running events at other sort of places around Las Vegas, as well as esports types of events, small events, not giant, you know, huge events. These are just small tournaments and pop-up tournaments and things like that. And, um, you know, Las Vegas, I think... Uh, could be a really great mecca for esports uh, in in the next few years. Um, I think the future of entertainment, to me, is uh, you know you're, you're going to 
well, there's a couple of things are going to happen. First, you're going to see slot machines sort of change. The floor space will change where you have sort of esports arenas and things like that. Um, and I also see uh, the future of entertainment for people like us, um, where we walk into a warehouse, um, we strap on uh, you know a headset with sensors uh, and and augmented reality glasses and uh, uh, a chest uh, you know uh, sensors with ha- haptic feedback, some sort of a vest. Um, we carry around uh, fake weapons with articulating feedback, and uh, we get dropped into a map and we're playing real life Fortnite against each other. You know, and and it's sort of an arena that that you know the map gets superimposed using augmented reality. And uh, there's people watching and people placing bets, just like any other arena. Um, I think that's kind of the future of entertainment, and I think that's that happens in Las Vegas. You know, as a as a good place to start. So, what has it been like working with some of these very old, I guess, sports books, and they're like they've been around for a long time, and and <laughs> yeah. trying to educate this on this space that clearly they're interested in. We've seen them run uh, odds on things previously, but what has it been like? working it's, with them it's 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 okay it's hard sometimes to get them to see the forest from the trees you know they 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 tend to really focus on like what's the turnover what's the volume what's the handle going to be and uh they, they want it like this and what they don't understand is their customer base just doesn't get it and their cust and our customer base is not comfortable going to their old stodgy sites and uh and trying to to bet on their platforms they want to be in an environment that's comfortable so this is a long investment. They either, you know, they either have to get in long, like we did. We started in 2014. Um, you know, we we went community first. Uh, we built our brand. We built our technology. You know, and we didn't go out saying we need to, you know, make money on day one. You know, we need to go make this happen. And so we just built the tech and and built it out slowly. And now we're here and we're in a very good position. You know, knock on wood, things are things are going well for us. Um, and uh, and uh, we, you know, we're we're sort of at a point now where. Um, uh, they're starting to take notice and they're asking us, you know, how can we partner with you? And what we've done is we've created the unicorn platform to be portable to other platforms. So if, if, uh, if another bookmaker wants to do esports betting in a, in a, um, in a way that's relevant to esports customers, they can leverage our platform. They can create a powered by unicorn experience. Uh, they can even accept our token. Um, people can earn tokens on their platform, and they can use it as a way to measure rewards on their properties. So, really interesting, you know, business that we've created. I think, and uh, they're starting to come back to us now and, and realize that this is an opportunity they shouldn't ignore. Um, you know, the best way I put it is when I when I talk to them, when I go talk to casinos or these regulators or not regulators, but these other sports books. Um, I just tell them, you know, these are your future customers, guys. You either start talking to them now or you won't have a future customer, you know? Like, you can continue to protect the 150-year-old on the Britney Spears slot machine inside your casino, but the minute his, you know, his oxygen tank, you know, empties or whatever, uh, you're not going to have a customer anymore. You know, my my kids who are, you know, like my daughter's 20, when she turns 21, she's not coming to Vegas to play on that slot machine. I promise you. She hates it. She doesn't like it. She's coming to, you know, Vegas. She might go to a nightclub, uh, and then she'll go back to her room and play video games unless there's another place in the, in the casino for her to go to. That's what it is. So, so the internet, I, I would say, is probably the most comfortable platform for people my age and in this generation that is in esports. When this ruling gets, or when this ruling goes through, sports gambling's legal, do you expect when it starts getting approved state by state by state that they will allow online gaming or yeah. online betting and that will obviously allow people to bet on unicorn legally yep. for the first time in the states uh, online do you think that's going to happen it will happen yeah it will happen but again it's state by state yep uh it's uh it's uh 
you know, there's, there's IP protection you must have and you must have geofencing in place and things like that have to be done so that somebody in Washington state can't bet on a New Jersey, uh, you know, license. And, um, and we built that technology. Thankfully it works. Um, but you have to have it built like that. So, yep. But it's better than nothing. So, yeah. Which is what we have right now. <laughs> and when that does happen, how, how intense do you think the conversations are going to be with publishers to go, let, let this happen? Like, let this happen in your, pl- um, well, look, your game. We don't rely on publishers. Just like, uh, just like most sports books don't rely on the NBA or, you know, NFL. Although, they're now starting to take notice and saying, you know, how can we participate on this? How can we help with data? You know, what can we do to make it more interesting? Imagine Las Vegas has completely changed in the last couple of years. They, they, they used to be all about gambling in the, in the strip, right? Every time the economy would go down, Las Vegas would suffer, uh, first. Um, you know, real estate suffered. Everybody suffered in Las Vegas. And, and so finally, I think some really smart people there said, you know, we gotta change Vegas. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta start investing in another big industry. So they started investing in sports. Major League Soccer is in Vegas. The hockey team, the Golden Knights, very popular team. I think they've lost three or five games this year, maybe. Uh, the stadium is beautiful, by the way, the T-Mobile Arena there. Mm-hmm. They, they have the, the Las Vegas Raiders coming in. They have, um, a women's basketball team and, you know, there's rumors that they might be getting an NBA team, um, which would make sense. Um, the future of you know, sports betting in Las Vegas is going to be going into the Las Vegas, you know, uh, Raiders arena with your sports betting application and placing live bets on the action that's happening in the game because that's 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 what it is, and they're going to be the model to follow. I think they're going to have the most cutting edge arena, uh, you know, in in football, and um, and I think that's where things will start to get interesting. And you know, not every every state is going to look at that and say, well, why can't we participate? Every team will want to participate in that somehow, and. Um, and it makes sense, you know. You can limit bets. You don't have to make it ridiculous. It can be a lot of fun. I mean, you know, when you place a bet on a game, <clears throat> you can be sure that you're going to watch that game from beginning to end, and you're going to be sweating it out the whole time. And that's that's why people like me like betting on games. So, yeah. So, last question before I let you go. This this gets legalized, starts going state by state. Obviously, changes a lot of what you do, and it <coughs> makes Unicorn a, I guess, like a bigger desirable platform for these sports books that are looking to get help from people that understand wagering and that also understand esports. What's what's the future for Unicorn if all things go as kind of expected? Well, I mean, I, I think there's been uh, a number of large companies that have, have expressed interest in us. Um, I have been down that path already once with HP. I've seen Microsoft do acquisitions that have been better, like better handled. Um, I... I don't think we'll go down that path yet. I think what we'll do is we'll continue to build our business. We have a huge opportunity in front of us. As I mentioned, we're on the cutting edge of blockchain and, and esports, which are the two hottest industries right now. Um, Technology-wise, I think I don't think anybody can touch us at this at this particular moment. You know, like we've done, we've, we've built some really great tech. Um, so I think there's a good chance that you know Unicorn just continues to grow and maybe. Maybe we go public, uh, or, 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 or maybe we, you know, we, we look at partnering opportunities that are brought our way. I don't know. It's hard to say. I never really had a desire to go public before, but when I look at the, you know, what we're building and the opportunity, um, you know, it might make sense. Who knows? So. All right. Well, thank you for joining me. I very much appreciate it. Great conversation and very enlightening. One more thing I should mention, um, you know, the, the, the future of the token space, so just, just to, just to share. 
you know, the, 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 the Unicorn Gold token is a, is a token that can be used on the platform. But the future of the space, I think, is security tokens, where people actually sell security in their companies, meaning equity, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that equity gets traded on, on exchanges that are approved by the SEC and other, you know, types of security exchanges. Sort of like going public. Um, <clears throat> so, I, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with that, but, uh, but the, the, the point I'm, that I'm making is that technology is changing so rapidly and so quickly. And the sooner that regulators understand and embrace it and then allow innovation without stifling innovation, I think the, the better. I think I think countries that that you know allow for this type of innovation and do it in a in a responsible way are going to be the most powerful countries and um, and I think uh, you know the industry that we're in is kind of a bleeding edge industry which can help pave the way for something like that. Well, thank you. Thank it's you. Super insightful, and I very much appreciate you joining me. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the ESPN Esports Podcast.